Good morning. So if you'd give me just a moment here to uh, get myself organized, and we really appreciate the uh, the worship this morning. It, uh, it I would almost rather just uh, continue worshiping. You know, the, the presence of the Lord is here, and uh, He's being uh, so wonderful for us to us today. And so we, um, you know, just enjoy the presence of the Lord. It's nice to come, you know, all the way from New Hampshire to. Florida and to have the same presence of the Lord, you know, as we we come together and we uh, are of like faith. And so uh, we have that um, privilege in common this morning that we are here to worship the Lord and and just honor his name. And so uh, we'll uh, look at the word of the Lord this morning that the Lord put upon my heart and Let's, uh, if you would, turn with me, turn with me to uh, a parable in Matthew chapter 18 and verses 21 through 35. I'm using a, an iPad this morning, which I never do. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll uh, admit right up front that I may be a little slow uh, moving, but that's okay. It's good for me to, uh, to do something new. And uh, the, the title of the message this morning is Paying the Debt of a Debtor. And we have this parable that the Lord Jesus gives to us in uh, Matthew chapter 18. We'll just read through it. Uh, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, children, all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pray me, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then this master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Now, Jesus shared this parable because Peter was asking the question, well, you know, how many times shall we forgive our brother? You know, he was kind of a a follow-up question from before when Jesus was talking about forgiveness. And, you know, Peter probably was thinking it over and and he, he had the question, well, how many times should we forgive? And I think Peter thought seven times was a good number. And that 
maybe the, the Lord would have uh, commended him for being so generous. But, you know, the Lord Jesus said, there is really no end to how many times that we forgive. That is really the, the point. And so he, he gave, you know, Peter this uh, parable to, to show to him that there is no limit of how many times that we forgive. If we want to, you know, be part of the kingdom of heaven, we have to be those who are, are willing to forgive. We are, are, you know, we have to have a willingness to forgive. But we also learn from this parable that we all have a debt, a tremendous debt, a debt of sin that the Lord has paid for and that he is the king of kings and none of us could ever pay the debt that he has paid for us. You know, that is another message that is, you know, running through this, this parable. The truth is it's impossible for us to pay the debt. We could try for our entire life and, you know, the, for all of mankind to try to pay the debt for sin, but it cannot be done. Jesus has paid the debt for all of the ages. Uh, he is, as the Bible tells us in Revelation 13, 8, he is the, sl- the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We sang about that this morning, didn't we? That, you know, to honor the lamb, to worship him before the throne of God. And that's exactly what we want to do. On this earth, we want to worship him, but as we, you know, we enter heaven, it isn't going to be something new to us. We're, we want to be those who are worshipers of the, the, the lamb of God, who is worthy of all praise and worship. And so the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. You know, the decision that the Father and the Son made, it tells us, was before the foundation of the world. The decision that the Son of God would come and be the Lamb that would be slain for our sins, that decision was made before the worlds were created, before Adam and Eve were created. And I just, uh, and I marvel at the foreknowledge of God because before He even created man, he knew that Adam and Eve would sin. He knew that they would fall. He knew that they would choose to be disobedient and that they would bring sin into this world and into this creation. Yet, God, in his foreknowledge, decided that he would send his son to shed his blood for all the sins of mankind. That was the decision that our Heavenly Father and the Son of God made before the foundations of the earth. And because we are created in God's image and that God loves this world so much, he sent his son to be the sacrificial lamb and to shed his blood. He was without spot and he was without blemish, the word of God tells us. And so now we have forgiveness of sins. Each one of us that are here today, I trust that all of us, you know, are those who have received the forgiveness of sins that the Lord has has given to each one of us if we will believe on him and, and we will follow Christ. But as we, we have this true understanding of the debt that we could never pay for our sins, there's you know this idea that we should have a willingness to forgive others. You know, there's a you would think knowing what the Lord Jesus and the Heavenly Father have already done for us that forgiveness should come so easy. But you know, and I'll speak for myself this morning because that's who I am responsible for, <laughs> for my, my own life, that forgiveness doesn't always come easily. It doesn't always, you know, it's not always something that, you know, it's easy for us to do. And I 
think oftentimes that when we are faced with a situation for ourselves, we have an easier time if it's for ourselves to forgive someone, but a much more difficult time when it involves our family, when it involves our children, when it involves our, our spouse, and, and we see someone who is hurting them. And I'll share a little story because um, maybe you're, you are a little bit like me, and uh, you might be able to, to re- relate, but you know, the Lord wants us to be those who, don't, who, who do forgive from our heart, not just with our lips, because we can say words. We can say things. I can say, I forgive you. But if we don't meet it in our heart, then we hold, we hold on to that. When my daughter was very young, uh, she was in elementary school, and there was, a, there was a, a boy in her class who was not very nice to her. And it's nothing new. Kids have been not nice to each other in school for, for many, many decades. And he caused her one time to drop her books on purpose, you know, to knock them out of her hand and her papers. And so when she bent down to pick them up, he, he purposely stepped on her. And it, you know, and it hurt her. So she came home and she shared this uh, story of what had happened to her. And of course, as a father, I was ready to deal with the situation. That was, uh, it was no question in my mind how that was going to be handled. I wasn't interested at all at all in letting the school deal with it. In my mind, it was a crime, and there, there was a there was a price that needed to be paid. And I was ready to serve you know serve the justice on anyone who would uh, be so unkind to my to my daughter. But as I have uh, already mentioned, my wife, you know, who has uh, sometimes much better reason than I do, she she. Uh, suggested that maybe I'd not solve the problem in that way to, uh, you know, confront this child and to uh, ask him to apologize to my daughter. So she notified the school uh, of what had happened. They handled it. That problem was resolved and the boy never caused a problem again. So you think that would be the end of the story, but it is not the end of the story. Several years later, when my daughter Jess was in high school, our parents were invited to attend classes that were uh, where the, our children were in those classes, and the parent and teacher got uh, the, the parents were able to sit in the class and observe the teaching of what the, the children were learning. As I'm sitting there uh, in one of these classes uh, with Amy, she nudged me and she says, "That's the boy." <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she was not trying to start anything. It wasn't malicious. She was just, I, didn't, I had no idea who the boy was. So she just wanted me to make me aware that's the boy. That's the boy that gave Jess the, the trouble. Well, you know, all of those feelings that I'd had years ago just came rushing back into me. And I, I wanted to say something to that, to that little guy. But uh, as I observed his frail, skinny body, I realized that <laughs> That wasn't going to be a good idea for me to, you know, uh, some this uh, this man, you know, confronting a, a young boy in in the middle of a, cra- a a classroom. I I said nothing. I said nothing. But I realized at the moment, at that moment, that I needed to let the Lord deal with my heart, and in the area of, of forgiveness, and in, the Lord did, did deal with my heart, and that was, you know, something that the Lord. Uh, 
uh, it took away from me, and I, I no longer wanted to serve the justice on this child. You know, he was just a child. He's a young, young boy. But as I said, we, we get very protective of our families. And I think we should be protective of our families. You know, the, I'm not saying we shouldn't protect our families. I'm just saying there, sometimes the Lord allows circumstances to come that will test us, that will test us. And that was certainly a, a situation that the Lord was testing me in that particular time. And, you know, why is it that we, we have these feelings of, you know, wanting to have revenge or we have feelings of anger towards someone? Well, the reason is, is because we all have an old sinful nature. Every single one of us, we have an old sin sinful nature and we are contending with it daily. And until you know, the Lord works in each, each of our lives, when we overcome that old nature, when we put it to death, and that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to put our old sinful nature to death. It's something that is there. It's something that oftentimes surprises us, what is there in our, in our old nature. And, you know, we know that sin entered the world through Adam. Romans 5.12 tells us that through one man, sin, sin entered the world. <clears throat> and through sin, death came into the world. You know, we, one could say, well, you know, Adam messed up. Adam and Eve messed up. And I can completely understand that God had to deal with that, and I understand why they would need to suffer the consequences of their mistakes. And some people will say, but I've lived a good life. I, you know, I, I, I don't do anything particularly wrong. And, you know, why would I have to suffer for the mistakes of someone else? And that's a question that you would hear when you, when you talk to people. But the misconception that many have is that somehow we can improve on our old nature. That, you know, if we, you know, there are uh, endless numbers of, of uh, conferences and things that you can go to to try to improve yourself and make yourself a better person. And none of those things have anything to do with following the Lord or serving the Lord or committing your life to the Lord. They are just things that they are ho they're hoping they can in improve the nature that we are born with. But the truth is, we have a sin nature, and there's nothing that we can do to improve it. It is sinful. We are born with a sin nature. And if we, you know, people think, well, if we improve on our, our old sin nature, we, we can be better people, we can lead to being better societies, and overall, the world will be a better place. And it's just a misconception. People do not understand the sin nature that we are born with. We are born with it. It is ingrained in us. Sin came into the world, and it is passed down to each one of us. And we are, you know, we are a people who have sin because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, and we are their children. And then we are faced with this problem. Once we understand that we have a sin nature, the next problem that we encounter is that we can do nothing about it to change it. There is nothing we can do to change the sin nature that we have until we encounter and have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9, it says, Who can say, I, excuse me, I have a clean heart, I am pure from sin? None of us can. We cannot improve upon our sinful nature. We cannot cause ourselves to have a clean heart. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and he's telling them, 
It is Christ that has made you alive. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that has made you alive. But before that, you were dead in trespasses and sin. You were absolutely dead. That is the message of the Apostle Paul. And he goes on to say, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That is how the Apostle Paul was declaring that the Ephesian church was before they came to the Lord, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ that had made them alive. Otherwise, they were dead in sin. And we are all dead in sin until Christ causes us to come alive through his great salvation. And we have all been partakers of that. Thank the Lord for that. But when we are dead, we are dead. There is nothing we can do. We can't approve on being dead. You know, once a person is dead, you know, there's, there is nothing more that can be done for them. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, there is something that we want to die, and that is our old nature. That is the old nature that we are born with. We want the life of Christ, the nature of Christ that we receive when we are born again, to, you know, to, to continue to grow in us, to mature in us, and that the sin nature will be put to death in our lives so that we are not reacting to the, these things that cause us to have an offense, these things that cause us to have bitterness, these things that will cause us not to forgive, and we hold on to these grudges. That's the old nature. But the life and nature of Christ in us, you know, he is more than willing to forgive. He has shown us his great forgiveness by coming to this earth and dying for us and shedding his blood. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus became sin for us. He became sin for us. And I you know, meditate on that at times, and I was meditating on that, you know, just in pre preparation of this message that Jesus became sin for us. And in Matthew 26, 39, Jesus says, you know, is talking about Jesus as he's, he's going to the cross. He understands you know, what the mission that he has been given from the Father. And he, it says, he went a little farther and it fell on his face and he prayed, saying, oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus understood what that cup was, that cup of suffering, that cup of sin that he, he had to take in order to die. Because Jesus would not have died unless he became sin. The only way that he could physically die is if sin came into him and upon him. And he drank, you know, that, that cup of suffering so that he could die for the sins because it is through sin that death entered the world. Jesus had never sinned. He was sinless. And so he willingly took the sins, all of our sins, sins of everyone that's ever lived upon him as he went upon the cross and he died because he took the sins of this world upon him. And the father was not able to look upon him because he was sin. And he died, you know, died for each one of us. And he felt that, that separation from his heavenly father. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was the only sacrifice that would be acceptable to our Heavenly Father because he was sinless. But he took upon him all of the sins of mankind, and he shed his blood for our sins so that the Heavenly Father would accept that sacrifice. And the Heavenly Father did accept the sacrifice. He did accept the, the sacrifice of the shedding of blood of the Lord Jesus, and he raised him again from the dead. And we're very grateful that he raised him again from the dead and that we are all redeemed because of it. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, we're not redeemed with silver and gold, but we are redeemed with a precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, there, be, there may be nothing more telling of the love of our Heavenly Father and the love of Christ than the fact that he took sin upon himself, knowing full well he was sinless, knowing that would separate him from his Heavenly Father. And that is how much that he loves each one of us. That is how much he is willing to pay for us. And there's an old hymn that many of you might know, especially if you're older, like me. It's called, I owe a debt I could not pay. And the words say, he paid the debt he did not own. I own the debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. And nothing could be truer than that precious little hymn. But, you know, now we are, each one of us are debtors. We are debtors. We have a debt, you know, that we must pay. It's impossible for us to pay the debt for our sins. But that doesn't mean we do not have an obligation to our Lord and Savior. You know, now our lives are no longer our own. You know, we are a, a living sacrifice, you know, unto the Lord. That's the, that's the call and the requirement that the Lord wants of his people. And Jesus said in his parable that we are to forgive from our hearts in order that we would be a part of the kingdom of God. But also in the Lord's Prayer, when he taught the disciples how they should pray in Matthew 6, 12, he said, pray this, forgive us our debts as we forgive others' debts. So there's something about if we want forgiveness, we must be willing to forgive. And if we are unwilling to forgive, then it seems that we might be on thin ice to receive forgiveness for, you know, for our, our, our debts. So we have to be very careful. You know, the, we know that you know, the, the debt that we are to continue to pay for the forgiveness of our sins is to forgive others. And when we look at you know, the, the condition of this world, we look at the, the prince and the power of this world, the, the, the spirit of this world, we see all that is going wrong. We see all that people are doing. We see you know, they are not serving the Lord. And if anything, our world is going further and further away from the, of the ways of God. And it, you know, it, it disturbs our spirit. We pray, we want revival. You know, Pastor Daniel announced that you're praying for revival. We're praying for revival. We understand the world needs revival. We need that outpouring of the Spirit of God. We need the former rain and the latter rain to come 
and to be poured out upon the nations so that there will be a turning again back to, uh, back to the Lord. But, you know, we, we have to look upon these people who are not following the Lord, those who are living in sin. They have a sin nature just like you and I do, and they are hopeless. They are hopeless. They are following sin because that is their nature. We shouldn't be surprised that people are so sinful when all they have is a sin nature. They don't have the Lord until they come and have an encounter and have that change in their heart and that born-again experience. They will continue to follow their sin nature. And it takes them further and further away from the Lord. And you know, they, they have no respect for God's people. And so they have, it bothers them not even a little bit to be offensive to God's people in the ways of God. And how do we feel about that? Well, sometimes it, it gets into our spirit, doesn't it? And we want, you know, but in the Lord you know, wants us to, you know, to have compassion upon people and pray for them that he would bring them into the kingdom. So, you know, we need to be careful, you know, what we say about God's creation. They are his people. He loves them. He died for them as well. And so I'm trying to be more careful about uh, the assumptions and the uh, ideas that I, I think about people who are not following the Lord. I want to be someone who is more sympathetic and more compassionate and willing to pray for them when I see how deep in sin that they are that the Lord would draw them. Because I understand this, that person in the parable who, didn't, who received so much forgiveness for what he owed and then turned around and was unwilling to forgive a little bit, that also could be me. You know, not forgiving. Not you know, be having a, a forgiving spirit. But I want to look at one other thing here as we close this morning, and that is the Apostle Paul shows us another way that we have gratitude to God for our debts being forgiven. And this, you know, flows along with what the Lord has called us to do. When we come to him, when we give our lives to him, when we receive his salvation, it doesn't end there, but now we are to be witnesses. We are to be witnesses for the Lord. And in Romans 1.14, the Apostle Paul says, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul was very aware of the debt that he had unto the Lord because he had been forgiven for so much. He had caused so much pain. He has caused so much suffering upon Christians before he had an encounter with the Lord. And we know the story of his, his encounter, and it changed the you know, the Apostle Paul, and he became the great teacher of the church. And we, you know, we have the letters and the messages that he has written that we are able to study. But he understood the forgiveness that he had been given. And for that, he was driven to preach the gospel. He was driven to get the message to whoever, whoever he could. That was the burden that was upon him, to go, that others may know Christ, that others may know the experience that he had, that they may know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that they might come into the knowledge of all that the Lord has for each one of us, because the Lord has a purpose. He has something for each one of us. In each one of our lives, the Lord has a purpose for, for us. He has created us with a purpose, and that was what the Apostle Paul wanted to preach and to teach and to make known that there is the redemption in the blood of Jesus Christ for all. 
And so that's exactly what he did. Now, admittedly, none of us are the Apostle Paul this morning. None of us are of that stature. None of us, you know, are the, the great teacher, the Apostle Paul. But we all can be witnesses for Christ. And that is the message this morning. You know, paying the debt of a debtor. We are to forgive and we are to be witnesses. You know, that is what the Lord is, is speaking to us as we keep before us the great debt that we have been forgiven. We are only Christians because the Lord caused us to be raised up. Otherwise, we were dead in sin. We had no hope. We had no place to go. But the Lord Jesus saved us. He redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb. And in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 11, it says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. You know, that message is to each one of us. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. But there's also the word of our testimony that we have to be willing to share. We have to be willing to share the testimony that the Lord has given to us and that we have. We may not have the ministry of the Apostle Paul, but we do have the grace of God in our lives that he can strengthen us to be mighty witnesses. Whoever we are, you are in Clearwater, I'm in Concord, New Hampshire. The Lord is going to use us to touch different lives and different people. Those that we go to work with, those that are part of our families, those that we are acquaintances with, we have to be willing and be ready to share our testimony and the love of Christ with them. And also, it says there in that scripture in Revelation 12, 11, they loved their lives, they loved not their lives to the death. And that's really something, you know, the Lord needs to do a work in us, because I think we, you know, again, speaking for myself, we are, we are pretty careful about how we take care of ourselves. And, uh, and we are concerned, you know, with, with, uh, with our lives. And I guess, you know, until we are faced with that situation, we won't know if we are willing to lay down our life. But Lord, help us. You know, to love him more than we love our own lives. That is what the church of the last day will be. You know, they will be those who love the Lord Jesus Christ more than their own lives, and they will be willing to lay their life down. That's who we see in Revelation. Because Christ loved us, he gave all for us. And in turn, we are to give all because we love Christ and we love the Heavenly Father. We are debtors. We are debtors. And our life is no longer our own. We are called to follow him, to be witnesses, and to be quick to forgive. When situations arise in our life that the Lord will allow, he's going to test us. Every time that we hear a message, you know, from that the Lord gives, he will test us. I'm aware of that, and it happens, and it happens without fail. So, so be ready to be, you know, tested in these areas because the Lord wants us to be overcomers. He certainly wants us to be overcomers so that we overcome and are victorious over our sin nature, and that we are overcomers because, by the word of our testimony and all that the Lord is doing for each one of us. It's a real joy for me to be able to be here this morning and to share with you, and uh, we look forward to maybe coming again another time in the future. We don't know when that will be, but it's always a joy for us to be here in clear water. We, we love and appreciate 
Pastor Daniel and Sarah, they're truly friends of ours, and uh, each one of you are, are like family to us, and uh, we just trust that the, the Lord's blessing will be upon each one of you, that his hand will continue to be upon each one of you. And again, I appreciate the presence of the Lord here. It's a real, it's a real joy to, to know that the, the Lord's presence is here in Clearwater. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Daniel.